0: So good to be with you, good to see you. I am so glad that you guys are here, whether you're joining us in person or online. We have been in a series that we started several weeks ago and then Pastor Kalen and Pastor Gary uh, brought great messages to uh, lead us into uh, further through Hebrews chapter 11 as we're talking about seeing the invisible. Seeing the invisible. And seeing the invisible is something that in particular, in particular we see in Hebrews chapter 11 over and over again as a picture of what it looks like to live by faith. But this concept of seeing the invisible and how that ties to our faith isn't just found in Hebrews chapter 11. If we look for it, we actually see that all throughout Scripture, and before we dive back into Hebrews 11 and look at the faith of Moses and how he saw the invisible, we're gonna, I want to take a look real quick at one story that Jesus told. He loved to teach in parables, right? Loved to tell stories. And this one parable is so short, it literally fits into one verse. And I think it's so cool and it fits with our, our imagery of what it means to see the invisible. So in Matthew 13, Matthew 13, Jesus tells this story. He says, the kingdom of heaven, let me tell you what it's like. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered, what? Come on. I need you all with me this morning, or you're just going to miss it, okay? Jesus is telling a story. And he says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden, hidden in a field. In other words, the treasure was invisible. He couldn't see, he couldn't see it, guys, because it is hidden. And that's what he says the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like something that was invisible. Kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field in his excitement. He hid it again and sold everything he had. He sold everything he owned to get enough money to go back and buy that field. Something that was invisible that became visible to him. Listen, others had walked past that same field over and over again. He probably had walked past that field over and over again, never seeing this hidden, invisible treasure that was there until one day. He comes across it, and for the first time, he sees this treasure. And I love what Jesus, like, inserts here. He doesn't just go and sell everything and go buy the field. You know what he does first? He hides it. He hides it. And, and I love that because it's this picture of, like, now that I've seen this treasure, I can't risk losing it. I can't risk that somehow it would be taken from me. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to hide it I, so that no one else can come along and get that field before me. He hides it because I can't risk losing it. And then he goes and does the incredible. He goes all in. If you ever play poker? You know what that means, right? I'm going all in. In. And that's what Jesus says he does. He goes all in when he finds this treasure. It says that he goes and he sells everything. Because nothing in comparison to that treasure mattered to him any longer. He goes all in because that treasure changes everything. Everything because today when I find that treasure, it's like my life starts today. Everything is new, everything is changed because I now have this treasure. It's worth everything. And this little parable told by Jesus, layers over what we're going to be seeing about the life of Moses in Hebrews 11. Because this same story, Jesus may have been thinking about Moses when he told this little story about going all in. Because that is exactly what Moses did. Now listen, if you're not familiar with Moses, which it's, you know, perhaps there are some here today that go, oh, "Yeah, I think I've heard of this Moses guy." You know, wasn't he like lived a long time ago? Yes, thousands of years before Christ. In um, the story, this is like the little backstory, just so that for any that aren't familiar with the story of Moses, or it's been a long time, God had called a man named Abraham. In the past weeks, we've talked a bit about Abraham and his remarkable story. God calls him to move from where he was and go to a land he'd never seen before, but it was the promised land. God gave him this remarkable promise that not only are you going to have a place of your own, but man, in the future, you can't see it now. It's invisible now, but all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. And so Abraham gets up and he goes, and he he goes to this place. But as the story progresses, we find out that a famine hits the entire region and God has this miraculous plan of provision for his people but it's in the land of Egypt. So they, they leave that homeland, that promised land, and they go to Egypt where God has got this miraculous provision for them. So they move there, and guess what happens? They begin to thrive in Egypt. And over, fast forward it a few hundred years, and they have multiplied. And they have multiplied again to the point where the Egyptians are freaking out. Because they see that, oh my gosh, these Israelites that are here, that we welcomed a long time ago into our, into our nation, they are like gonna take over. God is so prospering them and so blessing them and they keep multiplying and keep multiplying that man, us Egyptians are gonna be no more. They're just gonna like take over. So they came up with this plan to control the Israelites and they made them slaves and they began forcing them into hard labor. But even then they continue to multiply. And so the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, Pharaoh says, okay, they're continuing to multiply. This is what we're going to do. And he makes this, this decree that all baby boys must be killed from, that are born to the Israeli moms. All baby boys must die. And it's into that moment of history that Moses comes along, a baby boy. And Pastor Gary last week shared some of that story because it was by faith in this prophetic vision, seeing something into the invisible, that it says that Moses' parents saw that, hey, something's different about this child. It says that... Moses' parents saw that he was no ordinary child. There was something extraordinary about his life. Now, every parent thinks their child is extraordinary. But this was something of a prophetic vision that they had that they said, we're going to risk everything. We're going to even risk our own lives to protect this child. And so they come up with this plan. We don't know what we're going to do. I mean, they were slaves, you know, and and they were now disobeying Pharaoh. They could, they could be put to death, but they come up with this plan. We're gonna build this little boat and put Moses, our baby, into the boat and send it out into the Nile River. And it's this, actually, it's this is amazing, beautiful picture because they had no idea how God might protect and provide for their infant son. They had no idea, but they knew that even if this prolongs his life by one day, right, we are going to set him out on the, on the water and put him into God's hands. Put him into God's hands. It's the best thing as parents that we can do with our kids, by the way, to put them into God's hands. And that's what they did when they set him out on the water. And maybe you know the story, but it was, it was actually Pharaoh's daughter, the princess that happens along the Nile River at that time. And she hears a cry and she's looking around and she finds this little one, Moses, afloat on the river. And it says that she took pity on him. There was something of compassion that came over her heart. And she says, I want this little one as my own son. And man, then fortunately, in God's providence, Moses had a really, really smart big sister named Miriam. And Miriam had been like in the reeds watching this whole thing develop. And she pops out right at this moment when Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, discovers Moses. And Miriam says to the princess, says, hey, how would you like me to go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse your little baby there? And Pharaoh's is like, hey, that's, that's not a bad idea. You know, because obviously there was a lot of Hebrew women who could nurse a baby at that moment. Think about that. Little did the princess know that what was in Miriam's mind was that she would bring Moses right back to her, his family. And that's indeed what happens. And it's not until we get into the story where we, where we find out that actually, that it wasn't until he was older that he was returned to Pharaoh's home. He was raised for a season in his own home. But now we get to where Hebrews 11 picks up and now Moses is an adult. And this is what we read in Hebrews 11 verses 24 through 27. And the author of Hebrews says this, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with God's people rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. He was doing what? He was looking ahead To his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He saw him who's invisible. Wow, what a picture of faith tied with this idea of seeing the invisible. So what we're going to do over the next minutes is we're going to just look at four statements that the author of Hebrews chooses to describe this, this life of faith that Moses had. So we're going to just look at these four, four verses in order. Hebrews eleven twenty four 24 comes first. And it says this, it says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And in there, I believe, is a question that each one of us must ask of ourselves. Am I a child of the world or am I a child of promise? Am I a child of the world or am I a child of promise? Each one of us has to wrestle with that. And he had to wrestle with that big time. Because Moses, it says, made this decision when it says he had grown up. In other words, he had plenty of opportunity to see and experience this world in which he was living. So he knew he had a lot to give up. If he were to go all in and exchange this life in the palace for a life of mistreatment with his people? In the natural, then he had so much to lose. As a member of Pharaoh's household, he was in a position of power, prestige, and plenty. I mean, being raised as part of this royal family, he lacked nothing that the world could give him. He was on top of the world. He was at the top of the food chain, right? Not like most of us here that are like eking out our existence and having to work hard for everything we have. I mean, no, he, everything was lavished upon him because he was in the palace, And now he was all grown up, it says, when he comes to this conclusion. But there was something else that marked Moses' life. And it was the story that he had been told when he was this little toddler being nursed by his mom and and then growing up into, it doesn't say exactly how old he was when he returned to Pharaoh's daughter in the palace but it says when he was older he returned. So here's this young boy uh, growing up and he was old enough to know the stories. He was old enough to know that he was an Israelite. He was like those who were being slaved and mistreated and abused and put into forced labor. He knew he was one of them. But he also had heard probably dozens of times how he was the only boy to survive this entire piece of history. He was the only Israelite boy of his age. And he knew that it had something to do with God's miraculous salvation that he had been rescued by God as his parents in faith had set him onto the water. He knew that there was something unique and special. He heard how his parents had looked at him and said there is something extraordinary about this boy. There was something of promise on his life that he couldn't shake He would heard all these things, and he knew that that his life was marked by promise, and he decides to go all in on that promise. He goes all in, forsaking all of the things that the palace would offer him. He goes all in and exchanges everything to pursue God's purpose in his life. And we get to the next verse, verse 25 of Hebrews 11. And it says that he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Listen, not only was he leaving the palace, that place of comfort and position, power, but he was accepting this path of humility. One where he's, would lose all those things and say, I'm gonna give all those up. And he knew that this would be a path that would be filled with conflict and trouble and pain, mistreatment. He chose to go from this privileged life to one of oppression along with God's people. Because remember, they were slaves, right? Freedom was coming, but it was a long way off. They had not yet seen the fulfillment of their promise. They'd been slaves for hundreds of years. And when Moses said yes to this call of God, to this sense of promise that he had on his life, he was aligning himself with people who had been slaves for hundreds of years. I'm aligning myself with the people of promise. No matter what the cost I'm going all in. And this is a decision that each one of us has to make. Are we going to pursue a life of faith based on God's promise, knowing that it is never neutral? Selling everything that we have is hard. It will cost us. It does cost us. And some of lost their jobs, some have lost opportunities they would have had if they would have stayed in in the world rather than go all in and follow that promise of God. Many have lost friends. Because you know what? When you go all in to a life of promise and faith in God, going after the invisible one, you know what, you don't get invited to every party anymore. And there will be people who do not understand what's going on in your life. Why are you living the way you do? Why are you refusing to do do those things that you used to do? Why won't you party with us anymore? Why are you fighting against injustice? and standing against evil and standing against sin even when all these other people are running towards it. Listen, when you're living in darkness, the light hurts your eyes. You know what I mean? And when we say we wanna be people of the light, man, not everybody else is gonna be happy about that. There's a cost involved and as we look throughout history, even very recent history, even current history, many followers of Christ have lost more than jobs and opportunities and friends. They've lost their lives. So why did Moses do this? Why why would anyone do this? Why would you and I choose this harder path? And in the next verse, verse 26, we begin to see this, peeled back, and it says that he, Moses, regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ. And I I love that it says, for the sake of Christ. Christ wasn't going to be born for a couple thousand more years, right? But it says, for the sake of Christ, because he saw something of the kingdom of God. He saw something of rescue coming for his people, these oppressed people who were slaves. He saw something in the invisible that would culminate with the coming of Jesus. He saw into the invisible. he says he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. He was looking ahead Why did he do this? Why did he exchange the palace for poverty, right? This position of power and prestige and lacking nothing. Why would he align himself with a bunch of slaves? Because he was looking ahead. He was fast-forwarding the movie, right, of his life. And he realized that life in the palace, as comfortable as it was in the moment, was a dead end. There was no promise in the palace. There was no promise in the palace. There was other stuff, what, what it called, you know, these fleeting pleasures, sinful things going on. There was stuff there that would make him comfortable, but there was no promise in the palace. And he realizes this, he recognizes that is I live here in the world. There's gonna be nothing of a reward, of God's reward for me. But it says he was looking ahead to his reward. He knew that to get to that reward was gonna be costly. It's gonna cost him everything. I've gotta either go all in. I can't live for Christ I can't live as a person of promise any longer in the palace. He had to go all in and embrace this path that would be challenging and at times very painful. But the path of promise would end, he knew, in reward. When he played it forward, when he fast forward, he knew there was reward that would be his. That was the promise And we know that in his situation, that's exactly what happened. That there was a freedom that came in his life that then led to a freedom that God used him in miraculously to set all of God's people free from bondage and slavery. And led right to the promised land. Which for us is this amazing picture of heaven. And rest because we have a promised land. And guess what, folks? In a America, and as beautiful as Cancun was, that we celebrated in the past days, King and God and heaven uh, is way better than this. This is not our promised land, this is not even our home. We are strangers. We read, aliens, we are passing through this place is the message that Pastor Kalen brought us a couple of weeks ago. We are merely passing through this space. But this ain't our reward, guys. Because if this is all we get, then why not just live in the palace and like, bring it on. Bring on the pleasures of the palace if this is all we get. But guess what? There is a reward coming that not only is our wholeness and our freedom here on this earth, but we get heaven too. And best of all, he who is invisible becomes ours. And we get to see him, the reward of God himself. When we look ahead, in our own lives and stories. As it says that Moses did, he looked ahead to his reward. When you look ahead, what do you see? When you play the movie of your life forward, and every wise person will do that, every wise person will play it forward and not just get stuck in the visible of what we can see around us today, all the good stuff, all the bad, all, all, you know, the work and the neighborhood and even our wonderful church family. But you know what? We can just get stuck in the visible here and only in the things that we can see. But a wise person and a person of faith who is wise will play the movie forward. Where is this path taking me? And many people, of course, choose the palace. That's what they want their life to be about. Comfort, pleasure, security, prestige, power, all those things. I don't want to lack anything here on this earth. But you know what? When it comes to the end of the story, God's word tells us that "Ah, we're just passing through We're like a flower that pops up and blooms, and guess what? That flower's going back in the dirt. And that's all of our story. We can't take any of it with us. None of the things in the palace that it said in the verse that we just looked at a moment ago that are these fleeting pleasures. means they're here one day, gone the next. Why not take those things that are fleeting and go all in with them and say, Jesus, I wanna do this exchange. Jesus, I am seeing that there is a treasure in this field. I may have walked past it a thousand times and not realized it was there, but I'm seeing it now. I'm seeing that you have something for me, a reward that I've never seen before, but I'm seeing it today. And so I'm taking all of this fleeting stuff, the pleasures of the palace, and I am going all in with those so that I can gain something even greater. This is the way that the Apostle Paul put it. In 2 Corinthians chapter four, verses 16 through 18, listen to how what Paul says echoes this reality about the guy who goes all in to buy the field to get that treasure that had been invisible to him. How Moses goes all in, looking ahead to things that were still invisible in his current reality, but how he was looking forward, looking ahead. Listen to the way Paul says it. He says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, right? Going through trouble, going through pain, going through difficulty, going through COVID. Even though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles, I love the fact that the Bible does not ignore the troubles that we are in. God never says that, man, when we, when we go all in, that all of a sudden our troubles stop. No, constantly we're being reminded, no, in this life you will have trouble. Jesus said that. But he said, but I'm gonna be with you through those troubles. He says, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. And he's talking, of course, in light of eternity. They're, they're small and they're, they don't last long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last Forever. He's saying that it's not that we don't have troubles, we do, but he said, in comparison to what's coming, these are short, right? Problems are short, heaven is long. That'll preach, right? The problems we have are real, but they're short in comparison to heaven. Our problems are short, heaven is long, The glory that vastly outweighs them will last forever. He says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. How is this possible? By faith. That we stop looking at only the things that are tangible and the things that are visible in front of us. We fix our eyes. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. We begin to see the invisible. Like the guy who sees the hidden treasure. That thing that he'd never seen before. He sees it. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. What are the things that we cannot see? You can't see hope, but it's going to last forever. You can't see love. It's going to last forever. You can't see God today, but you know what? You will be with him. That the things that are invisible are so much better than those things that we just see with the natural. Life is short. Heaven is long. As people of faith, we don't get stuck only looking at the temporary visible realities that are going on around us. We fast forward our stories to the end. That's what people of faith do. And by faith, we see the reward that God has prepared for us. Wholeness and freedom in our lives today. Forgiveness for sin. But then fast forward and we get heaven and best yet by faith, we get God himself, the invisible one. And that's what this last verse says in verse 27 of Hebrews. This is exactly what, where Moses was at in his story because it says in verse 27, by faith he left Egypt. He goes all in, not fearing the king's anger. It says he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. These remarkable words, this picture of what it is to live by faith, to see him who is invisible, who is bestowing upon us things that while we cannot see them with our eyes are more real than the things that we can see with our eyes and longer lasting and of greater value. What a description of faith. I wanna close by illustrating this just one other way and it's through a guy who was a fisherman who was probably just like a lot of us, just like living his life, his name was Peter. But in Luke chapter five, there's this story of Jesus and Peter. And it's before Peter had ever become a follower of Christ. But if we read before Luke five, we find that Peter already knew Jesus. He'd already seen him like do crazy cool stuff. He'd seen him do miracles, but he had not yet surrendered his life to him. And this is what the story holds and we'll get to that verse in a moment, but not yet. You can take take that verse down for a second from the slides because you gotta understand the context in the story because Jesus had been teaching and it says this crowd of people came and there was such a big crowd that Jesus goes to Peter, who we knew, they knew each other, and he goes to Peter and says, hey, can I get on your boat and kind of preach from the boat because the crowd's too big, and so says that Peter says yes, and they go out on the boat. Jesus is teaching and preaching, and so Peter's listening to the word of God being proclaimed. He's hearing about this treasure. He's hearing about the field. Maybe Jesus even told that story from the boat, but the man who found that which had been hidden. Doesn't say what Jesus was preaching from the boat, but we find out what happens when Jesus was done preaching. Cause he turns to Peter who had been fishing all night long and hadn't caught a thing. You ever been there? Cause it ain't just about fishing. It's about the way we live our lives. It's like, oh, I've been working so hard and it just doesn't seem fruitful. I'm not getting anything. Where is the reward for the work, right? There is no ROI. No return on investment from everything I've been doing with my life. And that's where we find Peter. Fishing all night, no fish. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, I want you to, Cast out to the deep waters and let your net down one more time. And in the story, we find out that Peter's like, Jesus, you do not, you're not a fisherman, are you? Didn't you used to be a carpenter before you were a teacher? You know nothing about fishing. Because they all knew that to catch fish the way they did, you needed to go out and do it at nighttime when fish were closer to the surface and they could use nets and bring them in and He'd been fishing all night long and there were no fish in these waters. But you definitely don't catch them during daytime hours where the fish would go deeper. And he turns to Jesus and says, you know, we've been doing this all night long. There ain't no fish here. But because you said to do it. <sighs> okay. He was still living in the visible. Right? The visible realities that this is not the way life works. But he says, okay, because it's you, Jesus, I'll do it. So he goes out to the deep waters and he lowers his nets, and you probably have guessed what happens. There's this miraculous rush of fish into his nets. That fish couldn't get into his nets any faster. They're colliding, and the, they're bringing up more fish than they'd ever seen. There's this miraculous, huge catch of fish, and then we get to this verse. It's Luke five eight, and it says, "When Simon Peter saw, when Simon Peter saw, just think about those words for a moment. He had known Jesus; he'd even seen Jesus do miracles before." He'd been listening to Jesus all morning long on the boat, preaching, teaching, blah, 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 blah. But he hadn't seen till this moment. There was something of heaven that was peeled back for him in this moment where Peter saw for the first time, where he saw Jesus for who he truly was. He saw. And when Simon Peter saw, it says, this is what he did. He says he fell at Jesus' feet and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And friends, when we see Jesus, when we see the treasure, guess what? My prayer is that we will do exactly what Simon Peter did. And that's that he went all in. He said, Jesus, you are Lord. I've been living as my own Lord of my own life, living my life, seeking pleasure. And guess what? It hasn't been very fruitful. But he acknowledges Jesus, Lord. He falls says it is at his knees. And he also acknowledges his sin. We don't know what Peter's sin was. But we know from the book of Romans that all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. But I bet right then, at that moment, Peter recognized the life that he had been living would never be acceptable by God. So he falls at Jesus' feet and says, Dear Lord, I'm a sinner. How am I even in your presence? In other words, But the miraculous story is that Jesus welcomes Peter and invites him into a journey that would cost him everything, but would gain him a reward that he would never have gained only through fishing. When Peter saw. I'd love to have our ministry team come on up just be ready to pray with those who would say, I think I'm seeing. <laughs> See, this life of faith has to do with seeing the invisible. Opening our eyes and seeing things that maybe we've walked past a lot of times before. In fact, you may have been to church a thousand times before. But Jesus wants to show you something today that's new and fresh for you today something of purpose, something that will cost you everything, but gain you something of even greater value. As we exchange the pleasures of the palace and everything this life could give us for something of eternal greatness and treasure. Jesus, we wanna be people like Peter who see, who don't just hear and keep walking who just hear the stories and return to our fishing, return to the palace. Jesus, we wanna be people who see you for who you truly are, the greatest treasure we could ever find. Because when we do, God, we will go all in for you. And Lord, I pray that that would be our story today. Lord, I pray that once again that would be my story. That I go all in for you. All in recognizing you as my Lord. And friends, today, if there are any here today, this is we pray and just God will just give you a vision of who he is and of his truth and of his power and of his forgiveness and his wholeness and of heaven that awaits. If there's anyone today that wants to say, I see, I see, I see Jesus. And you want to lay hold of him. I just invite you to just raise your hand and say, I'm seeing that today like never before. I'm seeing that. Yeah, bro, I agree with you, ma'am. Yeah, I agree with you ladies, yes. Anybody in the courtyard, anybody online that's like, I see it. I invite you to join us. I invite you to reach out that we could pray with you. But I invite you that just raised your hand to come in just a moment and find someone that you would be able to pray with and agree with about your life. But for each one of us, God, may we see life more clearly because we're not just seeing what's temporary and visible, but we're seeing the invisible and eternal. Jesus, may we see you clearer this week than we ever have before. In your name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Okay, a couple of things as we close. One, if you weren't here at the very beginning of service, we prayed for um, our sister Susie Lamone, who's in the hospital um, with COVID. And uh, we are praying for God's miraculous touch on her life. Freedom from disease and restoration of health. Um, Pray for Frank as well, who is not hospitalized but has also been diagnosed with COVID. Pray for the Lamones. And then next Sunday, when we gather here for the conclusion of this series and look at the end of Hebrews 11, I invite you to that. But we will have already had, I think, over 100 women celebrating Christmas together in this very space, in this room. So, to participate in that, don't forget, ladies, on your way out, go get your ticket so that you can be part of that. It's going to be super special. If you're online and can be here next Saturday for the women's event, reach out to us through our website, sm4.org, and we'll let you know how you can get hooked up with a ticket as well. Church, you're loved. We'll see you next Sunday.